got a deed to the land, but it ain't my ground. This is God. And welcome to We Are the People Radio here on K Talk 1640. Where are we at? God's country. God's country. Boom. <laughs> It ain't the first rodeo. Hey, welcome everybody. It is uh, Tuesday, November 22nd. It is Tuesday, so we have got Mr. Colby Draper in the house. What's up, brother? Happy to be here. Always a pleasure. Looking strong, looking ripped. I like it. I like it. Well, it is uh, also Thanksgiving this week, so happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Hopefully everyone's got some plans for the family, have some fun, some good food. Oh, yeah. You got big plans? I'm going to hit the gym. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> going to get a new PR. Thanksgiving morning. That's right. I love it. That's right. Not a better time to hit the gym. It is. That's uh, You know, even back back in the day when I uh, used to race, like, bikes, like road bikes and mountain bikes, and it was always Thanksgiving morning. It was, like, always a big, epic workout. It's the same with Fourth of July. What's up with that? What, there's so much energy. In there the, is energy. There's energy yeah. in the air. Fourth of July is better. You know? That's the best. That's the best holiday, Fourth of July. It's warm. It's Hot air balloons. It's right, festive. Right. Breakfast. Everyone's. Yeah. I don't know. It's just. It's. It's just the best holiday in the world. We don't ride bikes, but we chop wood. I like that too. Fourth of July. So so so, yeah. so for those who do not see, we have uh, today returning with us, Dr. Shannon Brooks from Monticello College. Dr. Brooks, how we doing? Great. Doing fantastic. Oh, I guess we're sharing a mic. I forgot about that. It's okay. We're doing great. So we got Dr. Shannon Brooks, and last time uh, we had uh, Jaden uh, Gosman, and we have him back this time in the house. Jaden, how are you, bro? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. We're glad to have you. And this time we have a, a new guest, Miss Abigail. Abigail Levi. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to be here as well. That's a great name, too. <laughs> it is. Do, are you named after any specific Abigails? Abigail Adams, actually. Yep. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> That's actually what I was going to ask if you were named after her. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any any favorite quotes from her or anything that you love about her? I I love her and John's relationship and how they were able to work together and with their lives are so fascinating. You should definitely go and read if you haven't learned about their life, but it's amazing how they were able to work together as a couple to help the country that we live in to make it what it is today. Yeah, so. she was amazing. Yeah, She's a great she patriot. Yeah. She one of my favorite quotes and I, I can't get it word for word, but she says like the something like the fire of liberty is spreading. I'll find it. It's like light from like light. You know the are you familiar with it? Like light from individual to individual. It like, sounds familiar. Oh, yeah. I'll find it. It's actually a beautiful <laughs> quote. Um, but uh, <clears throat> so last time we 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 actually had you guys remote in, right? And it was it was pretty awesome. Uh, it was incredible, incredible what you guys are doing down in Monticello College. Uh, and so I thought, you know what, if we can get you guys in the studio, I would love to have you in the studio. So, um, that's code for you hated the visual of what we did last time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I had the the sun coming in. It was horrible. Yeah. So, okay. It's always better in studio. Yeah. My bad, but that's all right. Well, it worked because we got you here. Yeah. So, all right. So, so our listeners, our viewers, uh, we are very frustrated um, with We Are the People, very frustrated with what's happened in our colleges and our youth. Um, they, they just talked about the 2022 election, that it was that the generation uh, Gen Z right. completely shifted 
you know, the elections to, to the left uh, because so many Gen Zs came out and voted, you know, liberal. Right. And how much that's been going on at schools, how much is going on in our colleges, even, even BYU, which is supposed to be like the gold standard, like Utah in general, for, uh, you know, conservatism. They're, they're pumping, you know, Marxist doctrine, you know, into those kids. Right. Like, it's, it's insane. So you guys are doing something very different. And by the way, Shannon is also so the author of American, Killing the American Dream. Um, so it's, I th hopefully he'll be able to get into that a little bit today. But um, so tell us what you're doing different down in Monticello, which is obviously a small town. Right. In uh, part of my favorite part of Utah, uh, south southwest Utah, uh, down sort of near, well, near Blanding. Uh, beautiful, beautiful area. So tell us what you guys are doing down there and why you're different. Yeah, so basically um, our curriculum is built around what we call LIBER education. LIBER is the root word for liberty, library, liberal, not in democratic, but in abundant, right? And so when you talk about the liberal arts, this is lost. Most people think, you know, liberal arts, you know, kind of, she she education and what can you get what, what can you do with a degree in liberal arts liberal arts actually means the the ability to read to write engage in contract own property hold your own in a congressional legislative setting uh, hold your own in court that kind of thing if you own property uh, in ancient times you either owned property or you were property right so to have these liberal arts these arts of liberty um, that helped you st stay on that side of the ledger and then we combine that with uh, what we call the manual arts. These are the arts that you have to have that provide your income, provide your home and your food and your housing and all that. And we combine those together. We've separated them over time, but anciently they were, they were together. And so that's what we do on campus. They live on a farming environment. They grow their own food. They do chores. They build their own buildings, their own dormitories. All these things combined with this heavy liberal arts education, it's about a 50-hour-a-week program. Uh, you can't have a job, you can't work, you can't have a lot of extracurricular things going on because this is pretty intense. Um, so that's what we're doing down there. What's the name of your school? For Monticello that? College. It's Monticello College. Yeah. And it's, a, it's like a two-year program? Is it a trade tech? Like it, how, it, how do you, what, what's your, how do you base it? Yeah, that? yeah, it's, it, we call it three plus one. So three years of liberal arts and, and manual arts on site with us that fourth year, because we're trying to uh, get you to a place where you have this awesome liberal arts education, you can grow, uh, grow your own food, build your own home, start your own business. So year four is about your business. And so you generally stay home for that year, but we work with you to whatever you want to go into, whether it's farming, whether it's internet-based business. With, with Abby, it, it might be baking. She already has a bakery, but she might go do another one. Um, we will get all the contacts we have in whatever direction you want to go that year. We'll have you set up so by the time you graduate, you have an income-producing business. Um, when you graduate, say three or four years down the road, you got this rolling, you're ready to build your home, you call us, we shut the school down for a week, and we take the entire student body and we go build your home. Wow. A barn raising. You can't be politically autonomous unless you're economically autonomous. You can't be economically enslaved, and if you have a job, that's pretty much where you are, and you can't have that going on and then be this independent political person. You can't do it. Um, so we're showing them how to have economic independence so they can be politically independent. That's the idea. Are you guys familiar with uh, John Dewey? He's the yes. founder of our modern uh, school system. And he, he was a devout uh, Fabian socialist. And the Fabian socialists, um, 
they, they were a, a form of socialist. There was two idea, ideas of how to bring down the West um, and bring down America in particular. One was through military force, and that's what Stalin and Lenin uh, believed. The other was the Fabian socialists who thought you bring it down from within. Right. You take control of the education system. You'd morally, you 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 create a moral, economic, and um, you know a collapse within. He is the founder of our modern school system, John Dewey, and John Dewey was a devout Fabian socialist. In fact, their crest for the Fabian socialists, if you look it up, is a wolf in lamb's clothing. <laughs> and uh, their their whole objective was to bring America down because the problem with America is they had too many. At the time, they said, "How could you ever bring it down? A nation of entrepreneurs, right. an a nation of kings and queens, right. a nation right. of right. Right. people who all are completely self reliant, don't need a master." And so their their modern the modern school system was designed to do exactly opposite of what you're doing, which is to get people to become employees, right. uh, to become obedient, to get people to kind of become factory workers right. to get people who could just plug and play and obey and, and be more robots or the rat race. Right. And, uh, so I love what you're doing because it smacks, you know, Fabian socialism in the face and you're creating leaders, right. you know, people who are, who are not dependents, but are independent. Right. That's, that's what Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson called him. He said, there's two types of people in the, in the, in the, the world. This is 1700s. There are independents, entrepreneurs, what we call today, and dependents or employees. And he said, don't be a dependent, be an independent. So this, this has been part of the, the vernacular for a couple hundred years now, but we just lost it in the last hundred years. We moved, we, we shifted, especially in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, we shifted from this idea of blue collar is cool and independent to white collar and look down your nose from Wall Street to all these blue collar people. And we've shifted that and we need to go back if we're gonna maintain you know, independence in the nation on a personal level, community level, state level, yeah. You know, I find it interesting, there's a, uh, there's a stat that says the percentage of self-employment in this country, where do you think we fit compared to other countries with the amount of people that are self-employed? I'm, I'm sure we're, we're obviously the highest compared to other countries. 6.3% of us are self-employed. We, we are 15th in the world. We're no 15th country. Colombia, 53% of their citizens are self-employed. Brazil, 33%. Mexico, 31%. Turkey, 30%. South Korea, Chile, Italy, Finland, France, Japan, Australia, Germany, you, Canada, You know what would be US. interesting is to see historically how that's changed. Right. Oh, hell yeah, 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 yeah. I bet it's falling off and, the cliff. And I have a bunch of that in my book, so be sure to read that. Okay. All right. And Dr. Brooks, when you say shifting... I think it's what you mean, like, it's the new normal, right? That's right. all we know. That's Growing right. Growing up, that That's was, like, right. what all I knew. My family owns a business, and so we would help with my dad, and he, he – and growing up, people would be like, you have a business? You work, like, with your, your dad? Like, it was just very weird. And that's the new normal. All my friends, that's what they do. They get a degree and then they go try to find a job. And well, yeah, and, and get, get a good job so you can retire when you're 70, you know, saving your 401k. That's you know, the that, life that's plan. The, that's the brainwash right. that we're all brainwashed to believe, you know, and that's, that's crazy. it is. Now, now, I just want to mention this. I've been in higher education, alternative higher education for 30 years. My, my first half of that, we were doing the academic side only, and we found, we didn't mean for this to happen, but Often what happens is you kind of get holier than thou because you're the smartest person in the room most of the time, right? And what we found is by adding in the manual arts, when you got to go shovel horse crap, 
and, you, and you've got to do hard things, and you need to go fix water pipes in the middle of the night, uh, that tends to humble you a little bit, right? So it kind of even that thing out, that haughtiness goes away when you've got to do the real things of life. If you're using dry toilets, you've got to haul around five-gallon buckets of poo-poo, you know, and compost it. That kind of smooths you out, and you realize you're not all that. So it works great. <laughs> I love it. I love what you're doing. I love the idea of, of uh, being infinite. So today's Tuesday, and on Tuesday the theme is American masculinity. And, and the reason we do this once a week is our overarching mission is to save the Constitution. We believe the Constitution is hanging by a thread. We believe our, our children's freedoms hangs, in, hangs right. in the balance. And at first I, I laid the blame at we have you know, you know, corrupt politicians. And then, and then, and it's the lobbyists, and it's the machine. And then I realized, no, 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 we're the ones that put them there. It's 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 our ancestors that, that let it all happen. And I thought, no, it's 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 us. It's the and then it's then it's a, no, it's the feminist movement. It's the feminist movement that are the cause of all the problems, it's destroying the family. And finally, I've come to realize, I actually think if you could really bring it down to one, the the, the, the single thing to fix one thing to make the biggest difference, to me, it's to strengthen men to stand up and be real men again it's Absolutely. the it is the collapse of men uh, men that are strong because if a man is a good leader and a good husband and a good father you know there is no feminism holds holds no power over right. the woman's not why, is, why would the woman leave him right. uh, you know if he was a good righteous man and a good you know the, the, the family would stay together there would be not the you know the issues with abortion there would not be the issues with you know this pregnancy and and with you know the kids and getting into drugs, I mean all those factors, the prisons, all come from father issues, and you know, again the lack of leaderships that are the lack of statesmen. We don't have statesmen. Our politicians are so corrupt. They're so almost all of them are bought off. They're paid, paid off. They're they're not they they are not owned. They though they are owned. And again, it's it, it stems from this lack of leadership, which is a problem with this lack of true traditional strong men and masculinity so with that being said tell us your views on producing stronger men and why that's important okay great and and i'll preface it with the fact that i was in pocatello idaho last night ended up spending five hours talking to a group of parents with a bunch of men there and the reason we were there for so long is because they these are concerned parents we have no college options we have no options to send our young men out, our young women out, to get a great education, to become entrepreneurs. And they were wanting to know, can we bring this kind of education up to Idaho? Do we have to send our people down to you? But it was just heartening to see these parents who are straight up concerned about what the options are out there, and, and they love what we're doing. Um, our mission, the, the mission of the college is, I'm, I'm going to quote it for you, to build men and women of virtue, wisdom, diplomacy, and courage who inspire greatness in others and move the cause of liberty. That's our mission. Powerful. So we're all about it. When I, I, I've watched a bunch of your videos, right? And, and it boils down to this. And you've got a lot, of li a lot of liberty people, but it boils down to this. We have three um, probably perspectives or, or ideologies out there in terms of, of liberty right now. First one is the progressive thing. And they're saying, yeah, we've got to make changes, but we want it more liberal than it already is, right? That's the first one. Second one is this America first idea, is just go back to what we had, right? And the kind of what we're teaching is, yes, that's wonderful, that's great. We're probably not going to pull it off because we don't have the will. But if you follow a cycle called the Tyler cycle, if you want to pull that, that one gra graphic up with the circle, um, the Tyler cycle, 
This shows that we have a process we go through as human beings. We've been doing it for a long, long time, and you probably are not going to get this, this revival of masculinity and all this stuff until we follow, continue the cycle. And the cycle says we have to kind of crash before we can rebuild, right? Can, can we walk through that cycle? Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, so... So, and this is the, this this goes along with the rise and fall of nations, right? Yeah, this exactly. is this is every society starts on this cycle. Built, and so walk us through this cycle that every nation goes through, uh, because I think it's important that people recognize where we are. Right, right. So you start up, pull it up a little bit, and I'll, I'll just f f follow off of that. Uh oh. Oh no. <laughs> no, I want it. Okay, great. So, so this is a, about a 250-year cycle. Now, it's a cycle. So there's no exact, right? Yeah. But typically what happens is a society will find themselves in bondage, right? That, whether it's financial or tyrannical or whatever, um, and that bondage tends to wear us down, make us humble until we reach out to heaven, for help, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, it, there's an old saying, there are no atheists in foxholes. When somebody's trying to kill you, suddenly there's a God, right? So you get that, that faith, and that creates backbone, which then causes you to have courage. That courage leads to you striking out, resisting, having liberty. That liberty leads to abundance. But as soon as you get into this abundant mentality, then you forget about all these other great virtues, and you kind of go selfish. Then, then you go into complacency, and then apathy, and dependence, and right back into bondage. And because it's a 200, 250-year cycle, you tend to spend, historically, you tend to spend all your time in bondage, have this little quick time where you whiz all the way around the circle, and then spend the next 200 years in bondage, right? We did that differently. The founders were able to get us out of that, and we stayed in abundance for a long time. But we're somewhere else now, and, I, and I, I, I submit that we are in bondage, have been for about 10 years. When you have 140 to $200 trillion in debt, you're in bondage. You may not know it, but you're in bondage, oh, yeah, sure. and that's where we are. So we have to, we have, to have this, this downturn. We have to have this faith-promoting experiences to get us to a place where we have the resistance and the backbone to get courageous again and fight back and get our liberties back. So I wish we could do the American First approach. I just don't think it'll happen that way. So this, this bondage, um, you know, part in this cycle— that's typically where the nation falls, where they lose yeah. their freedom, where they're conquered, right. Um, right. where they completely lose their, their freedom. And what, I, what, I've, what I've seen is there's this principle of uh, duality, right? To, to, uh, there's you know, polarity. Uh, to, to every high, there's an equal low. To every, you know. And so the higher the, 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 the society climbs, it seems like the harder it falls right. and the further it falls right. uh, because again there's that duality that that balance you, you know it's just, it's it's just like the quote that we share pretty often hard times create strong men strong men create good times good times create weak men and weak men create hard times it's that same cycle that he's right. we're talking about right. here the cycle yep. of nations and, and it is and it and maybe the cycle of nations is all is you can blame that on on the man on the masculine or, or the lack thereof. Or, or the right. yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah the yeah. reason why right. we're going in that. And and if you look at the founders, the founders <laughs> found themselves in bondage, but they did something different that most nations don't. They turned to God, which then got them to this abundant yes. side for a long time. And we've we're still you know, 
kind of there. We're, we're kind of benefiting <laughs> from the vapors, the, yeah, the last yeah, exactly. fumes of that. Yeah. But we get to go through this, through this ourselves. And the sooner we understand that, and the sooner we humble ourselves, the sooner we get through the bondage side and have a chance to bring abundance back. There has not been a, a generation in 15 generations that have had the opportunity to go back to abundance like we have. But we have to know where we are. So if we're in bondage, two things we know, where we've been and where we're potentially going, let's get humble. Let's get out of debt. Let's become men. Let's do all these things, be willing to do hard things so we can get out of the bondage faster and back into the faith, courage, liberty, and abundance. Yeah, I love that. There's, um, you know, first off, who was this? Said that the Constitution was written for a moral and religious people and is wholly inadequate for the government of any other. Okay, Abigail's uh, husband. Um, you know, and then I think the other, the other, there's, I think it was, um, who was this? Said he said that um, we either must be ruled from a power within or a power without. Right. Uh, and uh, those who cannot rule themselves will, will find a master to rule them. Right. Right. And I think that's, that's the key here is the founding fathers set up a God-fearing nation that was founded upon eternal principles, founded upon truth, uh, founded upon a moral and righteous people. And you know, when you talk about these, these Fabian socialists, one of the Marxist ideologies that they knew had to be implemented was you have to destroy the moral character of a society so that people are no longer ruled within so that they then there need a master to to control them and i think that's one of the really great dangers right now is is we and i think that's one of the things that happens this cycle is we come become prideful i mean look at you know from whether it's the bible the book of mormon this cycle people right they they get prideful they rebel against god they think they don't need him i mean how many often do we do it in our own lives i got it now i'm now i'm good thanks god Thanks yep, for the yeah. help up. Now yeah. I got it. I don't need you anymore. Yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden, we find out real quick. He, you know, he humbles us. Um, what do you guys think, uh, Jaden? I, I had we we I really enjoyed hearing your thoughts. You know, one of the things too, these guys read when you talk about their their education at this school. Not only out learning how to be self reliant, but these kids are reading classics. Uh, I mean, one of the things Jaden said that he had read is Abigail. I don't know if you read it too, but. The Gulag Archipelago. Oh, you guys did. That's awesome. Um, is that required reading? Yes. So, I mean, what, what, I mean, you guys are obviously, I love how steeped you are in, in the classics. Uh, and because those things are not taught anymore in the schools. Um, what, what are your thoughts on where we are as a nation and, and this, and this, uh, you know, challenge that people go through of, of becoming, you know, forgetting God? And do you think we can turn that around? I mean, what are your thoughts? So that's a great question. Um, earlier you were talking about how, uh, what was the theme for Tuesday? American masculinity? Amer American masculinity, yeah. Right, so I think all of this kind of ties together. Masculinity, um, this idea of leadership, and this idea that we're in bondage and that we need to break free in order to uh, move on in the cycle and sort of fix the country that God made. One of the problems I see is that men are in bondage, but like you said, it's because they haven't been able to master themselves. So they're in bondage to entertainment, they're in bondage to pornography, they're in bondage to food. pharmaceuticals, to food. Right. And 
most people don't realize that they are, in a sense, slaves. And even though, like Dr. Brooks says, we're politically free in many ways, right? We st we'd still vote uh, for whoever we want. We're not economically free and we're not masters of ourselves. And so when things like COVID happens, um, our masters will yank on our chains and kind of remind us like, we have the illusion of freedom, but we're not actually free. And I think that you have to fix it at the root. You have to fix it at individual men and individual families, get them economically free and get them to be masters of themselves. And the only way to master yourself is to turn to God, like you said. I love it. He's, so, he's a beast. The guy's awesome, right? So so let me run you through. The, I, I just pulled up uh, the reading list for next year for first-year students. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we have the great books of the Western world. That's 54 volumes, and that's the, the core. They'll read three or four of those next year. But uh, Thomas Jefferson Education, for uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson Education, A Well-Educated -ed Mind, uh, my book, Up From Slavery by Booker T. Washington, powerful book, Dirt to Soil, um, Second Treatise on Civil Government by Locke, Great Political Thinkers, One Second After, um, let's see. Uh, Ebenstein, Great Political Thinkers, yeah, Unsettling of America, Wendell Berry, you have to read that. Uh, five, th three books by Scouse and 5,000 Year Leap, Making America and Majesty of God's Law. We do, we have our Hebrew text in here. Um, Endurance by Lansing, it's the Shackleton story. You have to read that. Lights Out by Koppel, North and South, uh, Teaching with Microbes, all about soil regeneration. Um, a book by Weicker called 10 Books Every Conservative Should Read. Uh, Democracy in America. 1,100-page American history by Johnson, uh, Weaver, Mainspring of, of Human Progress, and Wild Swans by Young Chang. You have to read wow. Wild Swans. It, this is the book, number one book for millennials and Gen Z that help them understand what communism is. They'll say communism is no problem. They read this book and they're like, this is crap, man. And I'm like, that's what I was trying to tell you, right? But they have to see it from this author's perspective. Um, so that's, that's just the liberal arts side of on-campus living. They have another 20 hours a week of the, of the manual arts that, that they're doing as well. And those two, you can't imagine what happens when you take this manual arts, this working in the dirt, hard work, laboring, you know, and then you combine that, all, all that labor with these kinds of reads, with everybody d reading, discussing, writing, and it's just very organic. Um, and when you add that labor in, there's something about this that just makes men. It makes you want to produce. It makes you want to be independent. But you have to have that environment to do it. Yeah, the, it seems like the, uh, the manual arts gives you the skills you need to be economically independent. And then the manual arts in tandem with the classics give you the knowledge you need in order to be master of yourself and to develop character. Yeah. You know what's cool? Um, <clears throat> and after this, I want to hear, Abigail, I want to hear what sort of something about I want to hear what book you've read that, that's had the biggest impact on you, and I want to hear hear about that. But to, to before we lead into that, going off what you just said, I've got uh, three nephews, and uh, you know, all all pretty young, uh, under you know, you know, twelve year, twelve is the oldest. They're all you know, young kids. Uh, these boys, and uh, a couple of these boys spend a lot of time video games. You know, they're you know they. they they definitely are part of this generation, right? Like online all the time. Uh, two of the boys came out to Utah when we decided we took them out on a camping trip this summer, and um, we had a someone had a, we had a little hatchet, and there was a big old tree, 
And we decided to chop a tree down with a hatchet, which makes no sense, right? A hatchet, that's for chopping small, you know, branches. But we had the three boys, me and my brother, and we had this little freaking hatchet. And we all, we would just go at this tree until we were exhausted. Then the next kid would go until he was exhausted. And we just tech turns. So we were for like probably a, two hours. And I mean, I had, my hands were bloody, you know, because, but we were all committed by the time it was done. And, you know, when the kids were there, we were encouraging them then. And like, and they, and they were just all their might. And I look at my brothers like, and the kids were like, they were pumped about it. I mean, there's like little kids and they're pumped That's about it. Like just chopping down a tree. It was like extremely hard work. It's like, and I was talking to my brother, like, why, you know, it's, it's crazy that they're into it. And finally the tree fell and it was big tree and it, you know, fell into the water and it was exciting. They got it on video, but I called my nephew just uh, two days ago to wish him a happy birthday. And I said, tell me what was your best, you know, tell me about your year. What was your best thing year? And you know what he said? Chopping down that tree. And I, and I thought a lot about it after that. I was like, what is it about that? Like, and, you know, and we talk in this show about the, about rituals, about the rituals that, that the rite of passage that boys used to have to go through to be from, from boys to becoming men. And there's something about that manual labor, about doing something, especially with other men, that all of a sudden is they're, they're now on the team with their uncle and their dad, and they're all going, you know, they're all putting in equal effort and they're, they're, they're one of us. I don't know, there's something about passing the masculine down to those boys where they really felt empowered as boys. And I just think there's something about men getting out in the dirt, working together, doing hard things that, that helps build men. And I don't know why, and I don't know, you know what it is exactly about it, but when you talk about what you guys are doing, out there is one, yes, it's it's the educational piece, but then the two, getting out and doing hard things together. There's something about achieving an impossible goal together, about going out and really working hard at something and then achieving it. You, you, and you can see the transformation. And there's two things we do on campus that I, I notice the most. One, chopping wood, okay? And sometimes they'll come in, they have no clue how to hold an ax or anything. Within a few hours, they got it figured out. But here's the big one. This is fun. Teaching them how to run a backhoe. The testosterone is just oozing by the time they're done. It's just, and, and even with the women, a little testosterone going there, too. It's so empowering to have this big old thing. And in a couple minutes, I show you how to do it. And you can actually sort of dig these holes and hit things. And, and it's just it just makes them empowered. The, the women become strong. The men are stinky with testosterone. And it's just it's awesome, right? Um, as long as you have good shower facilities. Um, it, it's awesome. It's awesome. And that's what we're trying to do. If, if, you know, they may never run a backhoe in their life after this, but they'll have the confidence they can do hard things. Yeah, that's so that's awesome. what, what we're trying to give them. And if we can get them to not live in a city, we're good there too. Um, let me, I, I kind of paraphrase what we're trying to accomplish here. L let me just read this. When it comes to crises, when it comes to times of tyranny, people will make one of two choices. They will comply or they will resist. And that choice is almost always predicated on their skill sets and their principles just prior to the full onset of crisis. They who comply, comply because they have no other options. Those who resist do so because their framework of principle uh, provide them a liberty mentality and they have certain skill sets that allow them to be independent of the evolving power structure. 
In addition to providing our students with means of economic independence, we also equip them with a liberty mentality and skill sets required to endure hard things, even prosper during those hard things, and to restore the good. That is, in essence, what we're doing. Make sense? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you can go to that other diagram that I sent you, this is this is what we culminate to. Uh, it's called the statesmanship matrix. I, I don't know if you've got that. And um, uh, yeah, there you go. And you can see there's levels there. And basically, what we do is is I'll bring up a piece of legislation that's currently going on in Utah or sometimes nationally, and we'll say, "Great, here's what our legislators have done." And then we walk through those questions. And I can't read those from here, but um, what? Let's see. Okay, yeah. Um, so when you have this legislation, you say, okay, this is law. What, what are the policies? What, what is it exactly? What are all the details we're talking about? Who wrote it? Who benefits? What's their motive? All these steps, right? And you go through all that, and you just keep layering down and getting all the specifics. Is there a sunset clause? What that? And it just really analyzes. At the very end, the one I like the, the, the best is this. Okay, fine. You have the right to do this legislation, but should you? Is it morally? The thing to do, right? I, I, I did an internship at the Utah State Legislature. These questions, for the most part, are not being asked. No, I guarantee they're not being asked. And, I, and we're teaching our young people to do this so they can analyze, analyze this and call the representatives and say, hey, what the are you doing, buddy? Have you figured this? Have you considered this? Have you considered this? And have this ability to do this. So this is part of the liberty mindset we're creating for our students is how do you analyze this stuff and call your reps on it? Who's holding these guys accountable? Nobody. Let's start doing that. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> we got to pump some kids into this. <laughs> Holy cow. Abigail, All I, right. I, I got to know, how was it running the backhoe? What did you think? Uh, I actually haven't run the backhoe. Oh, you haven't yet? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I haven't run it, but I've run other machines in the at the campus, that's something I love about campus is we're all included in the process of making everything work together. So we understand all the different pieces, we haul water, we do all sorts of things to help uh, the campus keep going. And that's that's part of the manual arts, that's part of like our build our building days we have. And you I love that. You ran the greenhouse this year, talk about that. Oh, uh, yes, that so cool. this year uh, I ran the greenhouse, I was in charge of it, I had help course but I was the one who was responsible for the plants getting watered and everything getting planted on time and making how, how sure big is it how big is this greenhouse how big it's is it 100 by 15 by 15, oh, no. 15. yeah so it's it's relatively yeah. big it's not a ton of space but we also have apple trees in the orchard we have a couple apple trees that we work on and, and we have potatoes and a bunch of corn and things like that squash outside and so it was really amazing because to be able to there's one thing like helping do it but when I was in charge of it all of a sudden I had this like anxiety of like oh, okay I'm in charge if, if I don't make sure the plants get watered they're not gonna get watered they're gonna die and then we're not gonna have the, the produce and learning how when you take care of the the soil then the soil takes care of the plants. Mm. Yeah. And so... And, and now for parents, look, look, here's the cool part. She would, because a little timid, right? don't want to make any mistakes, she'd say, hey, okay, so, so what do I do now? And I said, I, I don't know, what do you think? And that puts it right back on her, and then she's got to go through this. Or she'll say, hey, I noticed this, I noticed that. And I'm like, cool, because she is all over this. Jaden was all over compost this year, learned how to do it, made a whole bunch of compost piles himself, went through all that and learned all those details, made a few mistakes here and there. That's the process. You can't progress unless you're making mistakes. Embrace those suckers, right? 
that's part of that masculine own uh, own your stuff thing. It's huge. And it's way better to make those mistakes in a safe environment like campus where the stakes aren't very high as opposed to having to learn all this stuff, you know, when stuff hits you know, the your fan. life is on the line, yeah. when crap hits the fan and not knowing how to make compost and not knowing how to run a greenhouse, the difference between feeding your family or not. Right. So, Abigail, tell us which book, you know, what book have, that you, have you read that's made the biggest impact on you and why? Okay, so actually, it's really interesting because it goes along right along with what you guys have been talking about with masculinity and, and the freedom and the liberty that we're losing. Um, I don't know if you've read it, but it's Twelve Rules by uh, for Jordan Life Peterson. by Jordan Peterson, and I believe that he actually was writing, or he mostly writes for young men, and so that's kind of his audience of him trying to uh, give these men kind of words for the things that they, they can't express, right? These these desires, these things inside of them that they can't get. And I was talking to another student, and he articulated that really well, that it's something where he is there to be kind of that that person who can give them goals and, and experiences that they can't really pull out of themselves, but they know that there's something missing. They're, they're trying to find that. And so this year we had a theme of having taking personal responsibility for your life and taking ownership of what is going to result right and and taking ownership of you you talked about inside of you being ruled by within taking ownership of that and in one of the chapters i believe it's chapter seven he talks about telling the truth Mm. and or at least don't lie i think that's the title and (laughs) and that that i think helped me to summarize all the things we learned in all the classics because we we read a lot of things about political philosophy and political economy and all the things that are going on in the world philosophies of communism and socialism and um, Marxism, all these things, and learning about really just looking within yourself and telling the truth, understanding mm. and taking responsibility for your own actions. And that really hit me because we've talked about at the beginning in our literature seminar, we have different seminars that, so we read six books, literature books, and we talked about them and discussed them in a colloquium, is that what it's called? And one of them was Tale of Two Cities, which is an old English classic, right? And one of the lessons that we talked about was lo- there, there's a story where a woman inspires a man to be better than he was before. And so when I think of it as a woman seeing me and my friends, it's funny to talk to them. We're always like, where, how are we going to find a guy to get married to? Like, <laughs> oh, It's just so hard to find someone who's willing to stand up. <laughs> my daughter's in the room <laughs> we had this conversation today <laughs> no it's so true though like a lot of my good friends who were trying to be the best women that we can be and and be ruled with it from within and take responsibility for our lives and the children our, our future children's lives right what they're going to be taught and the example that the man is going to give them and the life that they're going to provide and one thing that we talked about was when a woman looks within and becomes the best that she can be and takes full responsibility for herself while we're looking for a man because we talked about like it's important find a good guy you have to find a good guy at the beginning um don't try to change them to be better oh it's okay like we'll we'll change them later that's not how it works you got to find someone who's already got the that that within themselves that when we have it within ourselves we can actually inspire that in the men around us and that's something that guys if we can hold them to a standard then, then they can also feel empowered to do that. It's not, it's not trying to hold them back or try to 
um, limit them, but actually empower them to be their best selves. And so I think I got that from Jordan Peterson. I'm going to hold this. I just don't want, I don't want you to drop the mic. <laughs> I, I don't want you to break it, all right? They're, 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 we don't need any mic drops here. <laughs> so that's what I liked from what Jordan Peterson taught me in the summary of... Just that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Just that, just that uh, little piece. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> what, what what year in school are you guys? What how, how many years you guys been doing this school? For, this so first year, both we just finished our first year. Oh, okay. So next year in April, we'll start our second year of curriculum. Wow. Yeah. And, and how did you guys get involved with it? How did you find out about it? What what made you what gravit gravitated you towards this? Yeah. So I actually I served a mission for my church, and I came home and I went to BYU Idaho. And I was studying business. Um, I, my dad has always started businesses, so I wanted to kind of expound my knowledge on that and see if I could learn something from a business degree and maybe it would help me in the future. But while I was there, I wasn't getting what I wanted. I, I wasn't having stimulating conversations with, with my peers. I wasn't able to really connect with my professors. It was very much get the curriculum done and then you're done, right? It, it was you got homework. If you do what's assigned, then you pass, you get an A whether you learned it or not. And I think and I was struggling with that. And my parents have were actually students of Dr. Brooks. And so they've known I've known him my whole life, literally since I was a baby. And I've always I've thought about the liberal arts education. I've I've read a lot of classics and I just felt like I didn't give it a real chance. I felt like maybe I needed to focus more on what's inside of me and what I can learn from the history and what I can learn from these classics, these great men who have written, and women, who have written these, whether it's literature or philosophies, things that they have come to understand about the world. And that's really what I want. I want to understand the world around me and I want to understand how I can be the best woman of virtue and courage and diplomacy and, and wisdom. And those things that really, when it comes down to, really matter in life. And that I could give my kids that. And I felt like I had it, I need to get that before I could give it to my kids. So when I I visited Monticello College before my mission. In what's called a micro semester, so about a month on campus just to try out the system, right? So she already had that under her belt. Yeah, and so when I was thinking about this at BYUI, I was like, oh, I'm not getting it. Wait a second. There's a school that actually focuses on this. And so then I called up Dr. Brooks and I decided that I wanted to invest in that part of my education, that kind of education, even though it's in the middle of nowhere and there's not a lot of people there. I'm very social, so that was hard for me. But it turns out my relationships were actually deeper at Monticello than the ones I had at, at BYU-Idaho. That's so. cool. You, you know, you remind me of the quote, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Straight you know, the importance, importance yeah. of mothers, and, and they are. There, there's nothing more important than mothers. Um, you also some, said something that stuck out to me, especially you're talking about Jordan Peterson, about the influence. You said that, that um, you know that women can have on the men. And Jordan Peterson talks about how woman is nature and women shapes men. Um, you brought up the thing about finding good men. My daughter and I had a conversation about finding good men. <laughs> Uh, you're on American masculinity. Uh, what do you see out there with, what do you see boys, and I'll, we will call them boys, because I think we have a problem with a lot of grown-up boys. Uh, we have a real lack of true men. Um, you know, we have a lot of males, but not a lot of men. What, what, what do you see, um, you know, when you're 
looking around at the, at the boys at you know at different just around in, in this in our society what do you see that concerns you and what do you see as a as something you are looking for more of hmm. I've talked there's a student on campus her name is Becca and we've had many conversations about this trying to understand who's the best what's the best kind of guy to be a father to our children and how can we find someone who's going to promote freedom and who's going to bring the best out of us at the same time as inspiring our children? And one of the things that we've seen is it's that girls are, I mean, the, the, the boys, <laughs> we can say boys, they're a little scared of the women. I think with this new feminist movement that's gotten blown into a huge deal, right? that I've been on dates when guys, I ask, well, how many children do you want to have? What kind of life do you want to live? And he's like, I'm just going to let my wife decide. Like, I don't want a guy who's just going to put all the responsibility on me w without knowing. They're trying to be nice. They're trying not to be that, the male who's in charge that's going to dominate. But by doing that, by, by putting the responsibility on women, they are taking their responsibility completely away. And so if something goes wrong, oh, you're the one who wanted to have all these kids, right? right, right. Like, it's, it's, that's not what marriage is. It's, it's about working together. And there's different roles, of course, but you can't put the responsibility. So unknowingly, I don't think they're doing it on purpose. That's what our culture is doing to, to boys. They're, they're telling them that they can't be in charge and that they can't take control or ownership. And I believe that it's supposed to be a partnership. But I also believe you, you don't just, okay, well, I don't want to take control. I'll just let the women take control. That's not, that's, the, the culture is ruining the family in that way because now the girls feel like, oh, well, yeah, that's right. I'm a woman. I can be like a man. I, I get to decide everything. It, it doesn't work. It, it won't work. That's why we have two. We have to have both. And, and so that's one thing that I'm seeing. I'm seeing a timidity. Timidity? Timidity? Is yeah. that a word? <laughs> that it is now. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> I don't know if it was before. <laughs> Probably was, but definitely is now. <laughs> yeah. I just, th that idea of being nervous about owning responsibility, about being a man, hmm. um, and what that is, and even understanding what it is to be a man. I think that's lacking. That's what Jordan Peterson does really well. I think he helps men understand what it is to be a man. And so those are a few things that I've noticed in my experience of looking for guys that they want to they want to teach their children to be good, to to work hard and to learn as much as they can to treat others with kindness. There's such a lack of understanding of what it means to be a dad. And so that's something I've seen is lacking in our culture and what our culture is causing. I think it's Parents don't know how to inspire their kids because actually they're getting more inspired by social media mm -hmm. than they are by their examples. And that's where our culture's at, and it's really sad. So we got we to gotta get that away from uh, the uh, men. And I want to throw a couple kudos uh, toward Jaden. Jaden, I'm going to be real, real for a second, right? Um, Jaden came on campus, and I put him in charge of some things. And at first, he kind of screwed up wasn't owning it, right? And we had some man-to-man -man talks, and then the dude stepped up and owned it. And there were some really important things that impacted everybody, and he just, it didn't take long for him to start owning it. I think part of the problem is he probably never had a chance to have those kind of responsibilities before. But he owned it. Not all the guys on campus own it. Some just whine and leave. But he stepped up, and so this is, this is masculinity right here happening before your eyes and just stepping up and being a man, and I, I really appreciate it. Jaden, 
good stuff. I agree. Yeah. Tell us about, sorry to cut no, off. No, tell no. us about what it is, you know, a, a day in the life, you know, from, from the very beginning all, all the way through. Want to talk about a day in the life of Monticello College? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> you live on campus, you live in a house, or you live in a, in a hut? What do you guys stay in? Are you guys bungalow? staying in a bungalow? <laughs> yeah. Um, accommodations are pretty austere, but, I mean, prior to that, my family lived in an RV, so I, it felt nice and roomy. Do you want us to walk through, like, yeah. what happens sunrise? Yeah, 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 yeah. You wake yeah. up, walk yeah. us through your schedule. So, um, a day in the life of, we get up before sunrise, and some of us have chores. My first chore on campus was tending to the fire, so everything on campus is either heated by propane or by wood-burning stoves. And in order to heat the classroom and get things done, you have to have wood chopped and you have to have fires made, so that was my job. After that, we do this thing called Sunrise Solitude. Sunrise Solitude is a chance for all of the students to find a secluded place on campus. We've got this beautiful, we're surrounded by like nature up there. Cause I mean, you've been to Monticello and we're right up on the hill. And it's a chance for everyone to watch the sunrise and just focus. Like and meditation. Exactly, yep. it's like meditation. Yep. And so you take that time to ground and to center yourself and then after that, everyone goes and we do our separate chores. Abby usually goes to the greenhouse. And since we have to water the greenhouse by hand, I usually join her. And then after that, we all join each other for breakfast. And then we have what, our first study. What period. are the chores though? What other kind of chores are other people doing? So one thing that I really enjoyed doing was the barn. We've got some chickens and we have goats. And I don't know, what, what was your favorite chore besides doing greenhouse? Meals, right? Yeah, we have breakfast, lunch, and dinner as meals. We have a cleaning, a cleaning chore, and those get rotated every couple weeks. We we change them so everyone has the opportunity to work with animals, work in a greenhouse, because these are skills. Who we're cooks learning, your meals? Right? You, you, you guys have a cook in here, the maid that handles everything, right? <laughs> yeah, she treats us. Um, her name is Abigail. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's me. So the students cook all the meals. Yeah, we cook all the meals this together. This is a big deal for most parents and prospective spouses, right? Yeah. yeah. And so prior to our first study block, we're already getting to these routines of building competence, right? We're getting competence in how to work a barn, how to work a greenhouse, how to build a fire, how to cook. I don't know how to swing a hammer before I came to campus. And so before we even start studying, before the day has even really begun, we're already building all of these skills. And then we have our first study block. And then we usually have class. We do about 40 hours of reading and classes a week. Otherwise, there'd be no way we could get through the reading list because, you right. know, dozens of classics. And we usually have the evenings to ourselves to go and explore. Moab well, is really like what close. Time, what time of evening? Five, six, seven? Uh, and how, how late does your well, studies go through? Six to seven is dinner, so yeah, after so seven. Yeah, so studies go until six. Monday through Friday? Or does this include Saturday, Sunday? It's We have classes... It, it depends. It's different. It we varies. we usually have classes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but sometimes we have random classes. We'll have classes about compost, or we'll have like workshops where we go and we spend a couple hours. And Dr. Brooks instructs us all together, so it's not mm -hmm. just the person in charge of the chore. And those are on Wednesdays and, and Thursdays. But so a, a day without classes is just more study time. Right. So and we'll just have. And then on Saturdays we do what's called farm day. So that's when all the, the big fences are being built or buildings are being done. We just built a 1,600 square foot straw bale dorm and i say we i mean they um 
and so the students are building their own housing, learning how to straw build, uh, alternative compressors, block cob, stick build, all these things, so they can build a home later on. But they're building their own housing, right? And we'll we'll be in that building in the spring, and uh, that that can hold sixteen to twenty people. And then we're going to plan another one and just keep building. These kids will end up building the entire campus themselves wow. and gaining all the skills, right? We got uh, a little over five minutes. <coughs> Here, here's what I'd love to finish with. Um, <clears throat> I'd love for you to give some advice to fathers, fathers, uncles, to the, to, to the men. You know, as, as you've worked with boys, what advice, what advice do you have for the fathers out there to being better fathers, to help raise men, to help their boys become more uh, men? And I think, and this thing is so hard, what is a man? You know, I mean, real men, men like Christ, men who are leaders, men who keep their families together, men who take care of their families, men who, you know, are the type of, you know, that Abigail is looking for. And then the last part I'd like for you to share, you know, what are your, you know, to, uh, your thoughts to the young men out there your age? And what thoughts do you have? What advice do you have for them? So yeah. we'll start with you, Doctor. Yeah, so in terms of, of advice to fathers, one, I would uh, encourage all dads to, to create lots of opportunities for work. Um, I know a guy that would actually move the fence, the fence on his fence line six inches one way or another every other year just so his kids had something to do, right? So have work projects, especially for the boys, but girls too. Have lots of work. Figure out a way to do it. Go service projects, whatever. Um, on top of that, have uh, a set of rules that you follow and in you're inflexible on. Kids need to know constancy they need to know there's limitations and you got to be constant about that and while you're doing that and sometimes you're correcting them massive amounts of love you've got to love them they got to know that even though they're in trouble they broke the rules it doesn't change dad's feelings for them and once you do that for a while i, I learned this teaching high school once you do this for a while i had all the troublemaker kids follow me around like the pied piper because i was the only guy on campus who was hard with them but constant and always showed love and after a while, they figure it out, and then you, you know, you are a hero to them. And then they want to be just like you. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would recommend to dads. And dads, read to your kids. Read to your kids. Get good books that are age-appropriate and read to your kids. I recommend uh, Farmer Boy. Uh, um, th th there's a ton. There's a book called TJ Ed for Teens, and we have a list of 100 books in there um, for girls and for guys. Uh, there's a lot of good books. Read to your kids. That's what I would say. Awesome. Awesome. Jaden, thank you, Dr. Brooks. Yeah, I think that's great advice, Doc. I would say find mentors because, like Abigail said, we need to rise to this challenge, and we're not going to be able to do that unless we're mastering ourselves and building character. But for those of us who can't get it from our dads or haven't gotten it from our dads, you don't know what you don't know, right? And so you've got to find the Jordan Petersons out there, and you've got to find mentors who can show you what you don't know and help mold you into the kind of person that you want to be. So, and I would just say this. Rough times are coming. Yes, sir. Hard times are coming. Weak, time, weak men create hard times. Hard times are coming. And whether you want to look at prophetic, whether you want to look at just the, fall, the rise and fall of nations, these times will be the hardest times this world has ever known. And I will tell you, we are going to be in desperate need of leaders like, like the three of you. So thank you for building, you know, young men and women, men and women like this. Awesome. And uh, thank you. Yeah, and folks. Yeah, thank you. Uh, 
You know, you, we get so frustrated about our youth. We get so frustrated about our college. But, you know, you just look around, and you've got stuff like this. I mean, there's a lot to be thankful for right now. And if you're frustrated with your school, I mean, look this up. I mean, there are amazing opportunities. And with leaders like this, I'm telling you, this is why we're going to win. So God bless everybody. We'll be back on tomorrow night, same time, uh, talking with David Pine and Chris Herod about Ukraine and the, and, uh, that, the war yeah. that is catching fire. Uh. Till then, take care.